Well, good morning, friends, and welcome to our 11 o'clock service on this, the 20th Sunday after Pentecost. Not many left. Advent will be here in no time at all. Uh, welcome to those of you in the room, many more we know who are joining us online. We love our online community people all over the place. We're your church. We're honored to be that. Uh, thank you for coming. Uh, as I look around, some of you are visiting with us, and we're really honored that you've come. Uh, that's a big deal to us. We're grateful that you're here. We hope uh, you'll leave us uh, somewhere, somehow, your name, some contact information. We can reach out to you, begin to befriend you. Maybe you have questions about the church or concerns in your life. We want to be of support to you. So thank you for coming. Uh, tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, we have a really important program. I'm going to have a conversation in Jubilee Hall with Dr. Mark Holland. He's like a big dog leader in our denomination. And we're going to talk about what's going on in the United Methodist Church as an institution. We're part of that. It really matters for us. Uh, partly it's a sorry story, story, partly it's a really hopeful story. We hope that you will come and learn about that. There'll be time for your questions, things you may be curious about. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock. Uh, my name is James Howell, and I'm up front this morning with my friend and colleague, Dr. Uyan Kim. Grateful to be together. Part of who we are as United Methodists is that we are a connectional church. We've got friends near and far, family members all over the world, and I'm going to invite Pastor Nathan to come forward with our guests, our friends. Thank you so much, Uyan. Um, it's a joy to be here this morning, joined by our friends from Puerto Rico. Um, our friends here are from Puerto Rico Methodist Church, specifically Iglesia Metodista Obispo Francis Asbury. Um, and we have been in partnership with them since 2017 um, through Hurricane Maria relief, and then also spring break trips, um, family trips, and our young adults have gone there as well. And they were here this week, this weekend doing mission work here in our city. They were over at the Relatives yesterday. We'll be with Our Bridge for Kids um, this afternoon in the Bulb tomorrow morning. So briefly, here we have Pastor Vadechka, we have Rafi, we have Carmen, and we have Nancy. Um, and you can sign up and come to Puerto Rico with us and spend a whole week with them and enjoy the hospitality that they offer. So join me in welcoming them. As we celebrate our... Oh, did you give him a hug too? Yeah, he needs it. Uh, as we welcome and are reminded by our friends near and far, we want to connect with you as well. If you're a first-time visitor or uh, somewhat new to our community, uh, we especially welcome you as we grow in faith together. There's a couple of ways you can do that as we connect with one another, that we can pray for you and share the ministries of our church. There's the hospitality pass at the end of your pews. There's the QR code at the back of your bulletin. And for those of us online, wherever you may be, there's a link that you can click on to let us know of your name and your contact information so that we may continue to journey in faith as a family of God. As always, it is good that we are here together. Let us continue to prepare our hearts for worship.
family and friends, please remain standing as we confess our faith and the faith of the Christian church through the Apostles' Creed, which is found in the back of your hymnal 881. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. It is our privilege of the service to celebrate the sacrament of holy baptism. Uh, Allie and Matt Samatoff bring their son, William James, for the sacrament this morning. Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the Spirit. All this is God's gift offered to us without price. Friends, on behalf of the whole church, I ask you now, do you accept the freedom and power give, God gives you to renounce evil and repent of your sin? If so, please say, we do. we do. Do you confess Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord? If so, say, we do. And will you nurture this child in Christ's holy church that by your teaching and example he may be guided to accept God's grace for himself, profess his faith openly, and lead a Christian life? If so, please say, we will. We will. And will you, the congregation, members of Myers Park United Methodist Church, include this family now before you in your care? Will you proclaim the good news and live according to the example of Christ? We surround this family with a community of love and forgiveness that they may grow in their service to others. And will you pray for them that they may be true disciples who walk in the way that leads to life? If so, let God's people say, we will. We will. Friends, let us pray. Eternal Father, when nothing existed but chaos, you swept across the waters and brought forth light. In the days of Noah, you saved those on the ark through water. When you saw your people as captives in Egypt, you delivered them through the sea, their children you brought into the promised land through the Jordan. In the fullness of time, you sent your son Jesus. He was baptized by John and anointed by your spirit. 
And he calls to his disciples to share in the baptism of his death and resurrection. Pour out your Holy Spirit now to bless this gift of water in him who receives it, to wash away his sin and clothe him in righteousness throughout his life, that dying and being raised with Christ, he may share in your final victory. All praise to you, eternal Father, through your Son, Jesus Christ, who through the Holy Spirit lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. William James Stalatoff, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Therefore, let your light so shine before others that they may glorify your Father who is in heaven. Child of God, as you grow in age, may you grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We rejoice to welcome you to the family of God. Friends, as we have our new members that will be lining up here to answer some questions, uh, we are once again reminded uh, that these folks that are before us today, a couple of dozens of folks today, uh, they've always been a family to us. This is an outward declaration of our inward commitment to journey together as a family of God here at Mars Park United Methodist Church. I see that they're all wearing their name tags. That's the only thing you get for joining as members Unlike any other membership that's around in our community, when you join the church, you are actually required and asked to give more of yourself in an intentional way as a disciple of Christ. This is a good thing. It's a beautiful thing. So I'm going to go around and um, invite them to share their name and where they consider home. Okay? And I'll start from here. Kathy Noyne, Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, Wells Noyne, Charlotte, North Carolina. Greg Noyne, Charlotte, North Carolina. Okay, so when I say where you're from, of course all of you live in Charlotte. It's where you grew up. Okay, where you grew up. <laughs> Kathy, I know you didn't grow up in Charlotte. No. Okay, where'd you grow up? Paramus, New Jersey. Right? You see what I mean? There you go. Here. Here. Saratoga, California. Charlotte. Charlotte. Laura Leone, Murray Hill, New Jersey. Will Scott, Baton Rouge. Casey Scott, Jasper, Alabama. Shep Shepard, Tampa, Florida. 
Katie Shepard, Winter Springs, Florida. Uh, here. Can you tell them your name? Claire. Kelly Mosby, Jacksonville, Florida. Charlotte. Patel. Charlotte Francis. Matt Mosby, St. Petersburg, Florida. Henry Hostetler, Short Hills, New Jersey. Peyton Hostetler, Hickory, North Carolina. Virginia Hostetler, Short Hills, New Jersey. Steve Hostetler, Mansfield, Ohio. And Scave, Charlotte. Uh, Bang Scave, Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, Toby Scave, Charleston, South Carolina. Anna Scave, Mooresville, North Carolina. Tom Moser, Winston-Salem. Caroline Gonzalez, Laurenburg, North Carolina. Juan Gonzalez, Charlotte. Brenda Swain, Raleigh, North Carolina. Joe Swain, Raleigh, North Carolina. Friends, we welcome you. We are grateful that we can journey together as a family of God. We are honored and excited that you will be with us on our journey toward meaningful faith and humble service. And so I ask all of you before me, will you strive with us to follow Jesus Christ, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve God's people and the world? If so, please say, we will. And as members of the body of Christ here at Mars Park United Methodist Church, will you faithfully engage in ministry by your prayer, your presence, your gifts, your service, and your witness? If so, please say, we will. Family of God, I commend these new friends to your love and care. Will you do all in your power to encourage and walk with them as together we strive to increase our faith, confirm our hope, and grow in love and compassion? If so, please say, we will. We will. We give thanks for all that God has given you, and we welcome you in Christian love. May God continue to establish you and to strengthen you that you may be faithful disciples of Jesus Christ as the newest members of our church family. Family of God, let us welcome them. Following the benediction during our closing, they will follow us out into the narthex. We invite you to come and greet them and share the peace and the grace of Jesus Christ with our new friends. Once again, we are reminded of God's goodness and God's faithfulness to forgive, to be merciful as we repent of our sins. Let us turn to our bulletin as we confess our sins together through our prayer of confession. Friends, let us pray. Gracious God, we carry anger in our hearts we cannot release. Our past regrets continue to shame us with pain. Scarcity binds our hearts from generosity and growth. Give us courage to choose you in the face of temptations. Set us free for joyful obedience and faithful witness. Open us to a future of peace, hope, and love with you. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet still sinners. That proves God's love toward all of us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen.
New Testament reading is Philippians chapter 4, beginning with the first verse. Therefore, my brethren, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Synctyche to agree in the Lord. And I ask you also, true yoke fellow, help these women, for they have labored side by side with me in the gospel, together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let all men know your forbearance. The Lord is at hand. Have no anxiety about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, 
will keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, do, and the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Would thank you for this uh, reading. I, uh, I try to picture Paul. Uh, I, I imagine him in a candlelit uh, room. He's under house arrest in Rome. Uh, he's brought a secretary in. He's uh, dictating. He doesn't think he's writing Bible. Uh, he's writing a letter to the to his friends in Philippi. But I imagine him pacing the floor and scrunching up his face and, and backing up and trying to get it right and just being on fire. The secretary, no doubt, a few times just dropped his pen like, wow, this guy has got it going today, Paul. He's writing a letter to his friends in Philippi. Philippi is kind of like a little Italy in Greece. Caesar Augustus settled his war veterans there. And uh, <clears throat> Paul visited there. We read the story of that in Acts chapter 16, which is, is truly remarkable. Paul comes to town. His first convert is Lydia, who's a fabulously wealthy woman. His second convert is a dirt-poor slave girl. His third con convert is a middle management guy in charge of the jail. I mean, early Christianity is a social revolution. You got wealthy, you got the poor, you got middle people, and they normally would have no cause to hang around with each other, but now they have a cause, and that cause is their faith in Jesus, church. It's absolutely amazing. Paul had, um, Paul had been in jail in Philippi. Paul, Paul's like a, a frequent flyer guy when it comes to jails around the Greco-Roman world. He'd been in jail in Philippi because of the slave girl, right? He came, she was a sorceress. She made a lot of money for her owners. But Paul comes and heals her, cures her, and she can't be a sorceress any longer. And oh my goodness, her owners are very upset about this because they don't want her to be healed. They want her to keep making money for them. And so they raise a ruckus in the town. Paul gets thrown in jail. It's absolutely amazing. That reminds me of a story I know I've told some of you before. It's uh, pretty cool. Um, uh, our, our family's on vacation. At the end of the vacation, everybody's pretty tired. We're on a train outside uh, London, and uh, there's a guy next to me. I can tell he wants to chat me up. I'm I just not in the mood to talk to anybody. Finally, though, he speaks, and he says, are you a Christian man? I got an answer. It's like, yes. He said, what kind of a Christian are you? Just such a great question. I didn't want to get into it, so I just said, well, Methodist. And he said, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I have to talk to him now. So I said, why are you sorry? He said, well, where I come from, Methodists aren't very serious about their faith. I mean, they may go to church on Sunday, but the rest of the week, it doesn't really mean anything to them. I said, we don't have that problem in North Carolina <laughs> at all. He turned out he was a gypsy, and he explained to me how the church is declining all across Europe except among gypsies, and the gypsy church is really booming. What was interesting is he said, it's hard for gypsies to become Christians. And I said, why is that? He said, the number one occupation among gypsies is fortune teller. And when you become a Christian, 
you can't be a fortune teller any longer. I said, couldn't they just like fake it? <laughs> he said, no, you can't fake it. And I wondered what we may do for a living that might not fit so comfortably with our faith. Paul loves these people in Philippi. He addresses them as my love, my joy, my crown. The letter of the Philippians, uh, if, if you're not much of a Bible reader, but you think, I've always wanted to be a Bible reader, I, I couldn't think of a better place to start than Philippians. It's short, but you shouldn't read it fast because it's short. You should read it slowly and ponder its phrases. Paul says things like, agree in the Lord. He doesn't just say, agree, and we people are not very good at agreeing. Sometimes we're not good at agreeing in a marriage. We're not good at agreeing on politics. We're not good at agreeing in the United Methodist Church. But Paul doesn't say, agree with your private opinions. Paul says, agree in the Lord. I mean, because of the Lord's grace and mercy, we have good cause to listen, to love, to draw close. Paul says, stand firm in the Lord. Paul doesn't say, stand firm on your convictions, stand firm on what your parents raised you to believe. But Paul says, stand firm in the Lord. It's lovely. Paul says, rejoice always and do not be anxious about anything. And I'll be honest with you, when Paul says, Rejoice always, do not be anxious about anything. I find Paul to be, you know, pretty annoying. It's funny, maybe. Maybe it's not funny. Paul says rejoice always. I just can't pull that off. I know some people that are always in a chipper mood. They seem to be rejoicing always, but I'm not one of those. Most people I know can't pull that off. And then Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. I mean, I don't know if we have any anxious people in the room now. We did earlier in the morning. When I talked about this, there was that flash of recognition. Anxiety, we have so much anxiety. Paul says rejoice always. He doesn't say be happy all the time. He's talking about joy. I'm doing this uh, How to Be Spiritual series. The climax of this that I'm planning is at the end is to talk about joy. And what is joy? Joy isn't happiness times seven. Joy is something else. Joy is something that you can have if you just lost a job. Joy is something that you can have if the one you love the most just died. Joy is something that you can have in the thick of any difficulty at all. It's some kind of sustained sense of God's presence and a sense of well-being, and that we'll get back to that more later. I have no anxiety. I love um, having the conversation with Mark Holland tomorrow night. In January, I'm going to have Kate Bowler come. Uh, Kate's one of our uh, best theologians now. She certainly is our funniest theologian now. She has a new book coming out, and they sent me the page proofs ahead of time, and she has a lot in there about anxiety. She can be an anxious person. She has good cause. She's a young mom with stage 4 colon cancer. So she talks about anxiety, and I love this. This is a prayer that she offers to God. She says, Lord, I'm a worrier. You know this about me. You made me this way. So, Lord, from now on, when worries arise, <clears throat> instead of trying to do a whack-a-mole to keep them down, I'm just going to say, worries, you go ahead and arise. Rise on up, you worries, and rise and rise and rise and rise all the way up to God because God is the one who can handle my worries. <laughs> I love that. Paul says, with reference to anxiety, with gratitude, this is where you have to read the Bible slowly. 
Paul says, with gratitude, make your request made known to God. I think I grew up thinking you make your request made known to God. If God does what you want, then you express gratitude to God. But Paul's order is different. Paul says, with gratitude, make your request made known to God. Like you start with gratitude. This is my life mission statement at my advanced age. I want to be somebody who always begins with gratitude. And I want to take the word for off of it. We do that all the time. I'm grateful for. I'm grateful for. I just want to be grateful. I want to be a grateful person. And I find that when I am grateful, when I'm in the mood of gratitude, it's hard to judge another person. I don't know how to do that, to be grateful and judge somebody at the same time. I find that when I am grateful, if I'm writing a thank you note, if I'm listing good things that happened today, it is very hard in that moment to be anxious. So interesting. Did God wire us this way? Paul in this passage talks about peace, be at peace. Peace isn't the same thing as being calm or serene. St. Maria of Paris, uh, she was a woman named Maria Skopstova. She was Latvian, but during World War II, she came to Paris to shelter Jewish children from the Nazis, saved many, many lives. But then the Nazis uh, killed her for doing so. She wrote these words that I love. She says, go to church because there you will feel real anguish for your sin and the world's sin. Go to church because there you will feel an insatiable hunger for Christ's truth. Go to church because there, instead of being lukewarm, you'll be set on fire. Instead of being pacified, you'll become alarmed. Instead of learning the wisdom of this world, you'll become fools for Christ. I thought a lot the last 24 hours uh, about being alarmed. Uh, this is something that's not in my sermon notes, but I need to share it with you. It's pretty important. On Friday, I got a call from my friend, Rabbi Michael Wolk. He's the senior rabbi at Temple Israel. And we talked some about what Jews have been dealing with over the past week. He said, what are you doing tomorrow morning? Well, I had some stuff that I was doing. But I said, why do you ask? He said, if you came to Shabbat service at 930, it would mean so much to our people. I couldn't say, I was planning to go grocery shopping or whatever. So I said, I'll be there. So I went, and I didn't go as me, James Howell. I went representing you. And I said, our people are very, very concerned about what they're seeing. They fell over themselves expressing gratitude that a Christian had shown up. They said, we have felt so very alone all week. So we see what's going on uh, in Gaza, and all of us understand it's a complex situation. There's plenty of fault to go around on the side of the Israelis, on the side of the Palestinians. We all get that, but this is different, isn't it? This was a sustained onslaught against innocent people. Children were executed in front of their parents. Some Holocaust survivors were paraded in public and executed in front of a crowd. 
And I could go on and on. And we hear that and we think, that's across the ocean somewhere, that's a terrible thing. And some of you, you've written to me. You say, maybe James knows somebody there. Yeah, I do. I don't know anybody who's died. But my two closest friends there that Lisa and I got to go hiking with this summer up in the Galilee, I reached out to them. They, unfortunately to them, were out of the country when all of this happened. They're trying desperately to get back in because they have four sons who are married with children, and they're trying to be with their, their families during this time. But their families, right, are in, they're in lockdown, but the sons have been called up in the military. I mean, it's just an absolutely terrifying situation. What I discovered yesterday should not have surprised me. There are Jews here in Charlotte who were at the service yesterday who know people who have been killed in the past week. And if you think that isn't scary, there was a man in the room that I've known for a long time. He is a Holocaust survivor. If you're part of a people and you have living people who survived the slaughter of seven million of your people, not ancient history, but in a lifetime, you'd have good cause to be concerned. Jews in Charlotte will tell you what you guys don't want to hear, and that is that it can be very hard to be Jewish now in Charlotte, North Carolina. So they have good cause. They say, we have felt so alone. Thank you for standing with us. What intrigued me in the Shabbat service, it's a bunch of Hebrew prayers and songs. I know some Hebrew, I could follow some of it, but certainly not all it went too fast. What was striking is that in the thick of such a dark time, I kept hearing the Hebrew word that you could translate over and over, hallelujah, hallelujah. In the face of darkness and terror, Jews still find a way to praise God. That happened in the concentration camps. Jews in the concentration camps still got up in the morning and they said their prayers of praise to God. Paul says, choose gratitude, choose joy. And then in verse 8, Paul says this amazing thing. He said, here's some things to think about. <laughs> Paul says, think about these things, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, whatever is excellent. I'll be honest with you, I can't think of anything more un-American than what Paul just wrote. In America, we are coached to complain. We are coached to think about what I deserve. We are coached to find fault with other people. We are coached to believe that half of our neighbors are utter fools when it comes to politics. We are taught, we're taught all just to be angry all the time. But Paul says you have a choice. And Paul says think about these things. Think about whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is gracious, whatever is excellent. I love the singer Jewel. I loved her for a while, then she became a pop diva. I didn't care for that, but then she came back to being her <laughs> old self again, thankfully. Her best song says this, it doesn't take a talent to be mean. Please be careful with me. I'm sensitive, and I'd like to stay that way. I have this theory that if we're told we're bad, 
then that's the only idea we'll ever have. But maybe if we are surrounded in beauty, someday we will become what we see. Friends, we are surrounded in so much beauty, the world that God has given us. But we don't notice it. We stay busy. We're being productive. We're rushing about. God has given us so much beauty. It's in every face. Not the ones that you would count as pretty, but in every face. God has given us just, there's just so much beauty, and we, 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 we miss it. We don't name it. And the, Dostoevsky said the world can only be saved by beauty. It's such an ugly world. The world isn't going to be saved by force, by toughness, by uh, the world's going to be saved by beauty. How can, how can we come by beauty? Paul would agree with St. Augustine, who 300 years after Paul wrote these words about true beauty. Augustine said, the true beauty is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he wrote these words. Jesus is beautiful in heaven, beautiful in his mother's womb, beautiful in his parents' arms, beautiful in his miracles, beautiful in his teaching, beautiful under scourge, beautiful in laying down his life, beautiful on the cross, beautiful in the grave. Beautiful in heaven. So much ugliness, so much anxiety, so much fear. Paul's counsel would be to look always on the beauty of Jesus, to think on these things. And I think he doesn't want to say just think on these things, but it's get busy doing those things. Get busy working on those things, whatever is just whatever is lovely, whatever is pure. Can we expand the beauty? I mean, that is our task. The, the beauty, Kevin sang about it, the beauty of the body of Christ, the beauty of the church. We get confused, right? We think, oh, look at the beauty of the church. The beauty of the church is that we are the people that God calls to care about things that really matter beyond just, you know, what's happening all around us, that there's a deeper plot to history. And God has some eternal destiny for all of us. We're the people that care about that. We are the people who dare to be the body of Christ in this world. Christ is gone, but he's left it up to us to be his hands and his feet as Christ's blessed people, all people. It is our beautiful privilege to be part of that. There's so much beauty in that this is a place that you can come and share your sorrows. It's hard out in the world. People don't want to hear too much of it, but here you can say, I'm broken. I'm so sad. I'm so lost. Oh, we love you here. <laughs> Here's a place the world could be despairing and, and, and again, so very cynical. But here we say we, we cling to hope. Hope, hope is here. So much love. I'd encourage you, friends, to uh, reach out. Reach out to somebody you know who's anxious. I know you know them. Reach out to somebody who is anxious and say, I'm with you. I don't have an easy fix, but I am with you. If you know anybody who is Jewish, now would be the time, even if you don't know them well, say we are mortified and we love you. We are with you. We see you. We have some sense of what you're going through. Reach out to somebody who does not know that they are beautiful, and I know you know those guys as well. Name their beauty. Name their loveliness. Name how they belong to God. 
Friends, think about these things. Begin with gratitude. Work on these things together. There really is just so much beauty. Thanks be to God. Friends, please pray with me. God, we come into your presence with praise and thanksgiving for your faithful love. Your love never fails, not even when we turn away from you, when we ignore your invitation or desert you for gods of our own making. Even then, oh God, you do not abandon us, but you reach out again and again, inviting us back into relationship once more. As you welcome us, so you welcome our prayers. We bring them to you with confidence, with gratitude, knowing that you will hear and answer. Holy God, we pray for the world you created and the people who share it with us, for countries caught up in war or violent conflict, for regions of the world struggling with health crises, for those whose homes and lives are threatened by natural disasters, for these and all the other areas in our world where there is need and despair, we pray for your peace, for your abundance, and for your love to abound. We thank you for the power and presence of your church all around the world and we thank you for our partnerships and ministry. Lord, in your mercy. Gracious God, we pray for our local community, the people of this city. We pray for our political leaders and our judicial system. We pray for healthcare workers, teachers, and all who care for our community. We especially pray for those who are unemployed, for those in prison or who are hungry. We pray for those who are alone and afraid, for young and for old, for the most vulnerable in our society, for all our neighbors, both known and unknown to us. Lord, in your mercy, Holy One, we pray for this congregation, our siblings in Christ, for those who are ill or whose loved ones are ill, for those who are anxious, for those who are struggling with their faith, for those who serve among us, for those who grieve. We especially pray for the family and friends of Rob Bird as they grieve his passing. May we all find comfort in the promise of resurrection as we know he has joined you in life eternal. For all your people in this place, Lord, in your mercy, pour out your spirit on us. Fix our hearts and minds on what is true and honorable and right. 
Give us the joy and peace that comes from knowing and doing your will. Keep us faithful to the call we have received in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so now we offer the prayer that he taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, now is the time in our service when our ushers will come forward to collect our morning tithes and offerings. We thank you for your generosity. We are grateful to be a part of the United Methodist Church, to be a part of ministries all around the world beyond what we can just do here in Charlotte. So thank you for helping us have this impact from Puerto Rico to Armenia. We have these partnerships all around the world and it is because of your gifts that we are able to support them. Please let us give with joyful hearts.
God, we give back just a portion of how generous you are to us. Take it and multiply it for the building of your kingdom here and now. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.
love to watch you sing. It's such a beautiful thing. And now may the grace of our risen Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with each one of us both now and forevermore.